0: checking out the Anchor Faith message podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. All right, so I want to start talking, um, and as I said before, uh, the rest of the summer, uh, we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to go from A to Z. Everything that, everything about the Holy Spirit, we are going to cover through the rest of the summer. Okay? Everything. I mean, from A to Z. From the beginning to the end of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Okay? And so... Um, we're just going to start this, uh, series and we're going to see where it goes. And I just believe that, um, there is going to be great, um, understanding for a lot of people because there's still such a misunderstanding about, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit you know, there's so many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. This is a Spirit-filled church, and so we have people that are new, that have never heard from A to Z, the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of times, people think that the Holy Spirit's only about the power, right? Or demonstrations of miracles, and uh, or the Holy Spirit's only about, you know, your prayer language, Okay, but we're going to see that the Holy Spirit has multifaceted, just like everything in the Word of God, Um, and we're going to see that there is a working of the Spirit of God uh, through a believer's life and the Holy Spirit that's at work today in the earth. Okay, and so we need to know about the Holy Spirit and how He functions in a believer's life and through a believer's life uh, so that we can take advantage of the Holy Spirit operating in our life because so many people still do not tap into uh, what is available to us as believers, okay? Um, So there's a lot we're going to talk about, and you know the thing about it is, is I would encourage you to be here through all of these Wednesday nights coming up Um, If you do have to miss, go online and catch up because it is going to build upon each uh, session that we have together on Wednesday nights. And I believe we're just going to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to our lives because nothing actually will happen through the word of God outside the spirit of God revealing it to us. These things are spiritually appraised, and so it's the Spirit that's going to reveal who He is to us and uh, show us through the Scripture so that we can have a more understanding of the Holy Spirit's work, all right? So what do I talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because a lot of people that don't know about the Holy Spirit think that the Holy Spirit's a dove. Okay, we've heard that. Some people think uh, that the Holy Spirit is an it. Okay. We've heard that. Um, What about our prayer language? Some people think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking as tongues, is just fanaticism or gibberish, right? People say this. But we're going to see... That there is a working and a ministry of the Holy Spirit that's at work. And is the only thing at work today in the earth confirming the word. It's the word and the spirit working together. Okay. Because reading the word by itself If you just read this book and just read it like a book out of a library, it's going to mean absolutely nothing to you. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to bring illumination and revelation of the word into your life. And this is why we pray. The Ephesians prayers, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. What's that mean? That the light would come on, revelation, illumination, by the Spirit of God would come on so that we can fully grasp and understand the Holy Spirit and the Word of God when we're sitting down reading it. That's why when you sit down to read the Bible, you should be saying, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to bring illumination to me today. Some people are sitting there thinking it's dry, boring, da-da-da-da-da. But if you'll start off reading with that heart, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's going to bring illumination and revelation and understanding of the Word. Every time you sit down, then guess what? You're inviting the Holy Spirit now to be your teacher. Okay? Okay. And so we're going to see a lot of this um, about the Holy Spirit, but I really want to start with the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the beginning and then hopefully be able to get into the person of the Holy Spirit tonight. And what we see through Scripture concerning and confirming, because as I said, a lot of people have not even seen. Do you know we still have some people that believe that, um, you know, they don't believe in the Godhead. They don't believe in the Trinity. They believe in the Father and the Son, but they do not believe in the Holy Spirit. That all they need is the Father and the Son. Okay? So there's still people that believe that today. But we're going to see that and prove through Scripture that God is a triune God. And if we need God the Father and we need Jesus Christ, then we need the Holy Spirit as well in our lives. Because you can't separate them. They're all in one. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit— They are three in one. And we need all three of them at work in our lives as a believer. Okay? And we're going to see this from the beginning. So, let's go to Genesis. This is the first mention of the Trinity or the triune God from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Right? We're going to read in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was what? Moving over the surface of the waters. So here we see God. And the spirit, it says, and then God said, let there be light. And there was, God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from darkness and called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning and there was day. So in the beginning, there was God, right? And then we see the spirit was hovering, So it's very important that you see that the Spirit was hovering, waiting for a command. So the Spirit is not going to do anything outside of the command of God. So the Spirit's waiting on the voice of God to then be able to go into action and create what God told him or the Holy Spirit to create. So, the Holy Spirit is the one that will begin to create and demonstrate what it is that God has said. Okay? So, from the beginning, we see that. And then we know in Genesis uh, chapter 1, drop down to 26 and 28, it says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image. Again, he is using the verbiage, that he's more than one. It says in our image. Okay? So here he's referencing to the triune God. Okay? In our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, over all the things that are creepy upon the earth. Then God created his own uh God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him, what male and female, he created them. So why am I referencing this? Because one, he says in our image, and then two, he created man in that same very image. Okay. I don't have this scripture on here because we're going to get into this a little bit more, but we as Uh, the humanity that God created is a three-part being as well. Just like God is a triune God, spirit, soul, and body, or uh, God, the father, Jesus Christ, the son, and what? The Holy Spirit. We are a three triune being, right? We have a body, we are a spirit, and we have a soul which is our mind our will and our emotions so he created us in that same image and uh, in, in his likeness and we see that here in genesis okay so what god created was in his image and what i also want to say is is that god is spirit john says this that john it That God is spirit. I'm sorry, my scriptures are literally not on my notes, my reference points, just the word. The way it printed out, it didn't print my scripture references. So hopefully they have it up here. Yeah, John 4.24, I believe that is. Yeah, okay. It's not on my notes, so y'all make sure you look at the slides. I don't know why it printed out like that. So It says in John, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and truth. So we were created in his image. We were created as a spirit being, and if we're going to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit, with our spirit. This is how man and God connect. Spirit to what? Spirit. Spirit to spirit, we connect with him. We were created to be spirit beings. So the spirit of the living God, right, from the very beginning, we know that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. We know that his presence, his spirit as a spirit being would show up in the garden, right? We know this. All of us know this. We've been taught this. So here he is in the garden, being able to be in the presence of God, worshiping God, spirit to spirit. God would come down and meet with him in the cool of the day, spend time with him in his presence, right? Nothing was hindering that. Nothing was hindering that until we know Adam ate the fruit and the serpent, what? deceived Eve, Adam ate the fruit. And then what happened? We call that the fall. So at that point, we know that the presence of God could no longer be with Adam because Adam sinned and disobeyed God. So what happened? The spirit departed or his glory Departed because that's how Adam was clothed in all of God's glory. That's why they could be naked, because their clothing was glory. And so the spirit had to depart from man because of sin, entering in. Well, then we know that here is Adam and Eve in the garden, the Spirit now is departed. So, what does this mean? They can no longer commune with the Father. They cannot connect with Him the way that they were able to when the Holy Spirit in His presence was there, ministering to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, communing with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, right? So, His presence could no longer be there. So, what happened? A disconnect. A disconnect happened. So Satan's strategy will always be to try to come in between you and God and bring dysfunction or a communication, but to cut off communication. That's the number one strategy of the devil is to cut off communication between you and God. From the very beginning, we can see it. Number one strategy is to cut off communication. We know this is the number one strategy even in war. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We've said this before. The number one strategy of a war plan is to cut off communication of the other yeah. side. Right? If they can cut off communication, then what happens? Confusion, That's right. That's right. disorder, all kinds of things can happen when communication is cut off. And so we see that this is what happened with Adam and Eve between him and God. When the Holy Spirit departed, communication was severed, and therefore confusion, disorder, chaos, dysfunction was able to come in. And then we see the result of this with the fall of man. Everything now is about self-governance. Adam and Eve tried to what? Self-govern, take care of themselves by putting leaves and figs on them to try to cover their sin. So man from that point on is always trying to cover them on self or be a god unto themselves and try to hide From God. Okay. And so the Holy Spirit is so important in our life that we need the Holy Spirit as the communicator to our life. Say, I need the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Say, we need the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Say it again. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm going to look around to see that everybody's mouth is saying that. Say, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Thank you. (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives so that our communication with the Father can flow properly. Because if we do not have the working of the Holy Spirit in our life, communication is always going to be hindered. And so it's so important that we recognize the role of the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. So communication was broken. Relationship was broken at that point. Connection was broken at that point with God and his man. I like to say this, that this is where the spirit of rebellion came in. And an independent spirit I can do it myself, I can take care of myself, right? This is where evil came into play. And so when we don't have and don't, this is going to be important because when we don't yield and, and, and heed the Holy Spirit's work in our life, some things are going to come into play in our life, even though we are believers, because we're not yielding to what the Holy Ghost is trying to say to us. This is going to be important later on when we start talking about the working of the Holy Spirit to bring sanctification and purity in our life. Okay? So every evil, everything that could be a part of fallen man came in the minute Adam disobeyed God and the spirit departed. We would like to call this Adam began to self-govern. We as beings were never to be self-governed. We were always to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Always. That's how God created us to be. So once we began as fallen man began to become self-governed, we started doing things ourselves, and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it and according to the way that we wanted to do it. That was a result of the sin nature. And all, the Bible says, have fallen, right? Short of, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See that glory. We were in the midst of his presence. We were in all of our glory, so to speak. Isn't that what they say? When a baby's born, they're in all their glory. When they come out of the womb, they're in all their glory. (laughs) Right? Right? And so here the glories departed, the spirit of God's departed. We've all sinned and fallen short of this glory. So it wasn't just Jesus trying to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven so that one day we can go to heaven. It was also about restoring back to man the glory and the spirit of God being able to now dwell back in man. In an earthen vessel, the spirit of God now wanting to dwell back in man. It was always about the spirit of God wanting to come back and dwell in man, this earthen vessel. He came and he dwelt in the what? The temple. He came and he would dwell in the tabernacle. It was all about him trying to come back in and dwell in the man that he created. As well as forgiveness of sin. But without forgiveness of sin, then the Holy Spirit, the glory can't dwell on the inside. The glory can't be a part of your life. And nothing's changed just because we have the blood. Amen. Sin will always separate you from God. Always. You may still be born again, but sin is separating you from God and communion with him. Okay? So it's very important that we recognize that that is where that disconnect happened. And now the Holy Spirit had to depart. Repellion, independent spirit came in, uh, self-governance came in. Uh, Our spirit was never meant to be broken off from the spirit of the living God. Was never meant to be broken off. And this is why we have broken hearts. This is why we have the broken hearted. Because our spirit was never meant to be broken off from God. We were created for him. Okay. Okay. We were created for him. Hallelujah. And so it's the spirit that we need functioning properly in our lives when we begin to see that we are children of God. Okay? Now, why I want to talk about the consequence of the rebellion? I want to talk about the consequence, real quick, of rebellion disobedience to God, the fall of man. Uh, and the reason why I want to do this is because there's going to be a lot discussing, uh, in further teachings concerning the results of our flesh. Okay. But we want to talk about the consequences of the rebellion and independence and self governance, because again, this has led to chaos in people's lives. This is why people today that are not born again, that are still in sin, that are still disconnected from God are chaotic. They're dysfunctional. They're having identity crisis because they never were able to identify with the spirit of God and with what God created them to be. Okay. And so we have people that are living in death and destruction. Every, uh, it seems, have you heard the statement with those that are not born again, they're still lost and under the sway of this world. They, they say, every time I turn around, something else bad is happening. It seems like, you know, something's always knocking at my door. Yes. Because Sin will only lead to death and destruction. That's the only thing it can lead to. Death, destruction, dysfunction, chaos. That's the position that man was put in where we see at when God came into the garden and spoke to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? And you've heard pastor say it literally means what position are you in now, Adam? You're in a position of death, you're out of control. You have no longer dominion over your life. We were never supposed to be out of control people. We were to have dominion. We were to be able to rule over our own circumstances. But when death, chaos, dysfunction, rebellion, independence, self-governance, all of this comes in, we get out of control. We're out of control, like wild beast, insane. We see it. We're seeing the insanity happen all around us because they have nothing governing their lives any longer, even morality. We know that we're living in a day and in an hour where we're calling what evil good and good evil. So people are out of control and living in the destruction because of the sin nature. Because they are out of the position of dominion and rulership that man was really supposed to have. And one last thing since pastor's been ministering on this, we can call this, and the scripture calls it, the pride of life. The pride of life. And this is where man is. There is no one good outside of God, the scripture says. Every man without God is evil. They are not good. According to scripture, they are evil. That's not being mean. That's being scriptural. And we've started Watering down all kinds of things, right. hanging out with evil people because oh well they're good, right. but good but bad morals corrupt good yeah. character. Yeah. So how can it be right. okay right. to hang out with evil people according to scripture yeah. on a continual basis? Right. You see? We got to say it like it is according to scripture, because this is why the church is in a mess. It's in a mess. People's lives are in a mess because they are not heeding the spirit of the living God that's on the inside of them. If we would have heeded the spirit of God. And we say this constantly, if you just would listen and obey the spirit of God on the inside and the word of God, you won't find yourself in uh, the midst of some of the situations that believers are finding themselves in. Right. Right. The bottom line is we're not yielding to the Holy ghost Amen. period. We're not yielding to the Holy ghost. And we in this church, need to know all about the Holy Spirit so that we can yield to the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be part of those that Pastor talked about being deceived by doctrines of demons, right? Right. And being deceived in this pride that we're better than what we really are. So the pride of life. I want to just read that. 1 John. Do not love the world nor the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that are in the world, is in the world is what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from this world. This is what happened when Adam and Eve fell and rebelled against God's word. They what began to take care of their own flesh by trying to cover their sin by what grabbing things of this world. You know, people are still trying to grab things in this world to try to medicate their sin, try to cover their sin. They're grabbing marijuana leaves. Come on, to try to cover it and sedate it. They're dry, they're grabbing alcohol hops to try to cover and sedate. Right. So what they're trying to cover up all these things themselves with the lust of the eyes. What can I see in this world that I can, you know, grab to become with the eyes and the boastful pride of life in whose case is the God of this world Has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel. Again, the light has to come on through the illumination of the Holy Ghost. So people in the world are blinded. They're in what? Darkness. And this world system. Mm. And so they need the Holy Ghost to illuminate or the light to come on. Or... What one scripture says, the blinders where he has blinded the eyes, we need the blinders to come off. And that's up to us to pray for people right. so that they can have their eyes enlightened to the word of God so that they can see the light of the glorious gospel. And this is only going to happen by the Holy Ghost right. or the Holy Spirit. Some people, oh, they have ghosts up in their church. No, no. there's only one, the Holy ghost. Okay. Um, or the Holy spirit is the, um, it says the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. Hallelujah. My notes are all messed up. They did not print off. Right. This is blowing me away. I have Ephesians up here for some reason. Do we have this on the screen? Ephesians. Ephesians. <laughs> Do you have Ephesians? You okay. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably for later. Yeah, we'll use that later. That's not for right now. This is so weird. Literally have no context on my scriptures. This is why you just need to go old school. Let's just go on back to the Bible. Okay. Now, so here we see in John that they began to live by the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, because they were separated from God. And Romans, do we have that? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. What did they begin to do? They began to live by the dictates of the flesh. Romans chapter 8. I would encourage y'all to read. I love the book of Romans, but Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters. I would encourage you, this is your homework, Mr. Mackey. We're going to read Romans. He always asked me, you didn't give us homework. Uh, so y'all got homework. Blame Pat Mr. Mackey. Okay? <laughs> read Romans chapter 8, which talks about living by the dictates of the flesh. So this is what happened. Instead of living by the Spirit, because Romans chapter 8 also talks about living by the Spirit, so that you won't live by the dictates of the flesh. But according to Romans chapter 8, For if we live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So when the fall of the man happened, sin entered the world, the lust of the flesh, all these things. Now we became controlled, so to to speak, according to the dictates of the flesh. What your flesh was telling you to do, you just did. Because you had no control, okay, to its passions or dictates, one translation says in the Amplified. So you just started living by the flesh. You started living by what you could see, what you could feel. If it felt good, let's do it. YOLO, you only live life. Come on. Uh, You're only young, whatever that statement is. I messed it all up. Y'all, I tried. At least y'all laughed. So, you only live once. once. I was going to say one life. Yeah. But anyway, you only live once, right? So, however it makes you feel, whatever love is love, whatever. Come on. You're living according to the dictates of the flesh like a fallen man. Mm. But he lets us know that's because we aren't living by the Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Say, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit dictating to our life. We need the Holy Spirit working, ministering to our life. Okay? So we're going to get into the dictates of the flesh later on, but I wanted to bring up the consequences of the rebellion and the independent spirit of what happened when Adam fell. So let me read a couple of other scriptures concerning the triune God. I haven't forgotten that. So in the beginning, we saw God, we saw the Holy Spirit, we saw that he said we were created in his image and in our likeness, so that means there's more than one side of God, okay? Now, go to Matthew, which I don't even know what the reference is, Matthew, okay, here we go. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we see all three referenced as the triune God. All right, go to Colossians. Colossians. It says, for in him all the fullness of deity Which is talking about the Trinity when you look that up in Scripture. All of the fullness of the deity or the Godhead in bodily form. So this is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's go to John. John should be next. It says here, I will ask the Father. So here it is. Jesus is talking, right? And he's going to ask the Father. So we have Jesus. The Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is what? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. Look at that reference there. It does not see him or know him. So, what does that mean? It doesn't, he that they can't see him because the light hadn't come on. But anyway, here's reference of the Trinity or the triune God, the father, the son is speaking and the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see or know him, but you know him because what he abides with you and will be in you. Thank you. Wow. This is awesome. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. A computer print my outline without the scripture references. Can we just say that's the devil? (laughs) No. Hallelujah. So, now let me find where I was. Okay. We are past the Ephesians. Okay. So, now we're at John. Oh, my goodness. This is why I don't even preach with these things. Okay. So... (laughs) Go to John. I just need to just get up here and preach. I don't even know what's happening. All right. So we see in those three scriptures, um, as well, the reference is to the triune God. Now I want you to recognize this back in John 14, 16, and seven, 17. It says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him. This is a reference to him and he, which means it's a person, not a dove and not an it. I put it down like it. And then I thought robotic a what is this AI that's coming out? He's not a robot, okay? He's not an it. He's not a dove. Here is referencing him to a person. You call a person a he and a him, right? right? And so recognizing that he is referred to as a person. So the Holy Spirit is the what we call the third person of the Godhead or the triune God, If you've heard that statement before, he's the third person. Okay. Why is this also important? Because if he wasn't a person, you wouldn't be able to relate to him. It wouldn't be on a personal level. Come on. Right. You're not going to be able to re- relate to something that's not on a personal level. So here we're seeing that the Holy Spirit now is a person and you can begin to relate to this uh to the holy spirit as a person in your life just like god is a part of your life jesus is the one that saved you and also we love him but the holy spirit now is a personal Right, person that lives on the inside of you to be able to speak to you and talk to you and commune with you and the way you connect to the Father is through the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. All right, now let's look at a couple of attributes of the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't it, or if it was a bird, a bird would not be able to talk to you, even though I know we have parakeets. Okay? So, uh, a bird is not going to talk to you. So, here we see the Holy Spirit's attributes, or we can also see the humanity side of his personality. Okay? Look at John 14, 26. In reference to the Holy Spirit. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, can a dove help you? Can an it help you? No, the person. A person can help you. The helper. It says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He, in reference to a person again, he will what? Teach you. So here he can teach you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher, a person, right? This is an attribute of his personality. He's going to be a helper to you, and he's going to be able to teach you. Jesus actually is not teaching you. Now, I understand that when you read the Word, it's Jesus, what? Jesus was the Word, So it's the Word. Jesus is wrapped up in flesh and became the Word of God. So Jesus is the Word, but it's the Holy Spirit that's bringing the illumination of who Jesus even is. Because there's many people that just love reading the Gospels of Jesus. And they want to see the you know, the personality and the ways Jesus operated, but they don't want anything to do with the spirit of God. And guess what? They're going to miss what Jesus did because the spirit is only there to confirm the word and the working of the word in our life. Okay. It's very important that you recognize this. So he's going to teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So here again recognizing. Even Jesus said that he's going to. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. And he is going to bring you to your remembrance what? What I said in my word. You see that? That's why we say you can't know the person of the Holy Spirit outside of the Word. And if you don't have the Word in you to confirm what the Holy Spirit is teaching you or saying to you, then you'll get off by listening to the wrong spirit. So we must have the Word, Jesus, And his word put in our heart so that the Holy Spirit then can begin to illuminate to you what the word is saying and what the word is meaning and confirming the word that you're hearing. So this is the working of the third person of the Holy Spirit as a teacher and as a person. Now, look at John. Again, you can go back down to verse 26 of that same verse. Or no, I want to read that one out of the Amplified. It says this, it says, but when the comforter, the counselor, and this is where he breaks up all the, I like to call all the facets of the working of the Holy Spirit as well. This is many facets, just like there's many facets of grace. There's many sides and workings and facets of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. You see that? So he's a comforter. He's a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, a standby. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. I like reading this out of the Amplified because it says I will, he will send in my name. And then it says, in my place to represent me and to act on my behalf. One translation says, in reference, one just like me. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to send you the Holy Spirit that's going to represent me or be one just like me. So that's why they're going to say the same thing. They're going to say the same thing always. They're going to be in unity. Just like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three in one. They are unified. The same with the Holy Spirit and the Word, which is Jesus. They're going to say the same thing and be in unity. Okay? And he's going to act and represent on Jesus' behalf. But then look what he says. He says, and he will teach you all things. Again, showing that he is a teacher. The greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, that's not to neglect the fivefold ministry and the working of the teachers and the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists and the pastors that when we get up here and begin to teach the word, You've got to, because how will they know unless we, someone what? Is sent. Someone preaches the gospel. All five uh, ministries are to be in operation and you should be able to receive from them. So that what? The Holy Spirit can confirm in you what the word is saying through those gifts. But if you don't have Uh, The Word in you You don't have a pastor This is why it says you'll be like sheep Without a shepherd And you'll be tossed to and fro And you'll be listening to every wind And to every wave And every doctrine that's out there You won't know How to rightly hear the voice of the Spirit If you don't have these people In your life To help lead you, guide you, guard you Teach you properly What the scripture is saying so the first thing we see about the Holy Spirit's attributes in, uh, as a human personality is he's a teacher. He's going to be one just like Jesus. And then he is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. This is why you don't have to buy the lies of the enemy. Because if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you have his word on the inside of you, you don't have to listen to the lies of the devil. You don't have to be ignorant of the devil's devices any longer. Because you have been in tune with the Holy Spirit who has been communicating to you the spirit of truth. John 15, 26. It says, when the helper comes... Again, he used him as the helper. Whom I will send to you from the Father. That is the spirit of truth. All of this is also talking about the triune God. Because he's saying in reference to the Father. This is Jesus talking. And then you have the Holy Spirit. There. He is what? The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. Meaning he's only going to speak what Jesus has said. He's only going to speak what the word has said, which is the spirit of truth. Now, in John uh, 16. John 16. Remember, I'm just laying a foundation and we're just going from Genesis to Revelations on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay. John 16, 7 and 11. It says, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. So this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking truth, just like the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And he's letting you know that it is more advantageous for you that he goes to the Father. Amen. Say, we need the, we, need the we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Say it again. We need the Holy Spirit. It is to, say this, it is to my, it's to my advantage. It's to my advantage. We need the Holy Spirit at work in our life, and we need to know how the Holy Spirit is moving and working and His ministry. So it says, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and He... When he comes, he will what? This is very important. And I'm going to elaborate on this scripture here. It says here, it says that, um, and he, when he comes, say this is the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to what? He is going to convict the world. Convict. Say convict. Convict. It's all right to use the word convict in the church today. Oh, I don't go to a church. They always talking about conviction and, you know, they talk about sin and nobody wants to be convicted. You better be thankful that you get convicted by the Holy Ghost because you will burn in hell. You need conviction in your life. I'm so thankful that he convicted me of my sinful life and brought me out of the domain of darkness and brought me into the marvelous light. That's what he'll do. He don't just always tell you how awesome you are and how pretty you are and how wonderful you are. He will tell you to protect you from the gates of hell. You're on the wrong road. You need to be convicted by the Holy Ghost and get out of your pride. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, people don't want to be convicted today. So he says he will convict. This is part of the Holy Spirit's job. That when the word is preached and there is somebody that has not accepted Jesus Christ, the first thing the Holy Spirit's gonna do is convict the world of its sin. In hopes to draw you by the Spirit. So guess what, if the Holy Spirit, and we're gonna get to this, is the one that draws men to himself. Because outside of the drawing of the Holy Spirit, we don't have a chance. So if the Holy Spirit is drawing himself, then guess what he's doing as he's drawing a lost person? He's convicting that person of sin. Convicting that person. Conviction is not bad. It is a good thing. Thank God for conviction. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that will save your life. It'll save your life. Hallelujah. And that's what he says the Holy Spirit is going to do when he comes. He's going to convict the world concerning sin and what? righteousness what is righteousness right standing with the supreme authority the governing authority there's that word governance again right standing righteousness religion has made it something that it's not it is he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness you know what that means right living kingdom living you don't live like that in the kingdom You don't live in your homosexuality in the kingdom. That is not right living. That's not righteousness. You see what I'm saying? You don't live in your adultery or immorality. Right? That's conviction uh, of sin, righteousness, and what else? And judgment. Oh, they just always preaching, you know, that you're going to die and burn in hell. Listen, there is a judgment that will come. And thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to let us know that if we're not right, one day we will stand before the judge that has the right to cast us into the lake of fire. Right? Right? So it says that's what the Holy Spirit will convict, the world concerning sin, righteousness, right living, and judgment concerning sin. So there is a judgment concerning sin in people's lives. That if they don't repent and get it under the blood, then guess what? They will stand before God one day. And this is all the working of the Holy Spirit that nobody likes to talk about. They want to talk about the Holy Spirit and the power and the miracles and the chill box, right? <laughs> and all these things. And the running and the shouting. Right. Come on, let's talk about the Holy Ghost and conviction and righteousness and judgment that is to come for those who stay in their stiff neck pride. And don't want to come into the kingdom of God with the Holy Spirit's drawing and compelling them and convicting them that today is the day of salvation. Right? Hallelujah. We need. We need some good fire and brimstone preaching, I guess again today in the church. You know when Billy Graham died, I was listening to a lot of his preaching and I tell you what He called sin for what it was. He talked about the day of judgment that is to come and on and on. And all these people would flaunt to the altar. And when he died, I said to my husband, who's going to be some evangelists that are going to rise up today and begin to see some people come into the kingdom because they're not afraid. Talk about Billy Graham as one of the greatest evangelists in the world. But you know the majority of his preaching was about sin and repentance and judgment. And people needed to get right with God. Hallelujah. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit convicting us, we would have all gone to hell. Conviction. Hallelujah. And he says, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Satan. The ruler of this world, this world system, everything we see, lost people being ruled and governed by Satan. Satan. Hallelujah. And guess what? He's already judged and he knows his day is drawing near. And why do you think there's just been an unleashing amount of things happening in the world today? Now look at John 16. John 16:13 and 15, it says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Hallelujah. Thank God. So he's the teacher. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to then begin to tell us about things that are to come. That's why we don't have to be ignorant of the devil's devices. We don't have to be ignorant about what's going on in the world. We don't have to be ignorant about, you know, the next day or tomorrow or the next month because the Holy Ghost can disclose things to come to your life. Nothing has to take you by surprise or take you off guard. Really, I'm not surprised by anything today. Anything. I mean, it just keeps getting funner and funner. About all the things that I'm just not surprised about any longer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now. Let's close this thing out. Romans 14, 17. It says this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is saying here, this is what I want to show you. As a person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit has joy, has peace. A dove can't have joy, nor can it have peace. Right? So, here we see, again, the personality or the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life, guess what a believer has a right to? Peace. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We shouldn't have to be sad. Amen. Come on. We shouldn't have to be terrified or scared or in fear because the Holy Spirit brings peace and joy to our lives. Amen. 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 Peace and joy. Now, and we can see this with the Spirit here in Galatians 5.22. And later on, we're going to get into all of these. But it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Read them. Y'all all know Galatians. Come on. Guess what can happen in your life if you are literally yielded to the Holy Spirit. All of these things can be a part of your life if you're yielded. And I can tell when you're not yielded if these things aren't flowing and the fruit isn't just overflowing in your life. Right. Right. That's just according to Scripture. According to Scripture. These ought to be fruits in our life. Because this is what the person of the Holy Spirit brings to our life. All of the fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about this later on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You should not be a mean person. When the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. Mean-spirited, hateful. As a believer that has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you should be kind. Right? We should be patient. We should have peace in the midst of whatever it is that we're going on. Whatever's going on in our life, we ought to have joy and we ought to be just exuding love for people. Yeah. Amen. When I go through things where people are on my last nerve <laughs> and I'm having to deal with people and their problems, I just want to, uh, I just want to gush in love. Yeah. Like I want a gusher, you know, <laughs> of love because I say I, I've got to love people. Because if you don't, you would want to be one of the mean people and not be kind. (laughs) Right? But that is the fruit of the Spirit. So what do you do? You tap into that love and say, I'm just going to go show and demonstrate love to somebody. Somebody. Because right now, there doesn't seem to be one nice person on the face of the planet. So I'm going to just go love somebody. Come on. This is what you do. Because the Holy Spirit brings these fruits to our life. Now, look at the Holy Spirit's job here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So, one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is to bring sanctification to our life. He is the sanctifier. He is the, you have heard me say it, He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy because we are to be holy just as He is holy. So the job of the Holy Spirit's work and the ministry, one of the sides of the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit living in the inside of us is to bring that sanctification in our life. To bring us into a place of continual holiness. We've been made right, right with God the minute we get born again. But now it's the Holy Spirit's job to continue to work in a believer, sanctifying and processing them through all kinds of behaviors and thought processes and all kinds of things that we came out of. From what we said was the fall, dysfunction, chaos, Uh, all of the things that were brought about because of the fall, that even though our spirit man is alive unto God and we're born again, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring sanctification to our lives through the purity of the washing of the watering of the word and the Holy Spirit saying, okay, see that in the word right there? Yeah, I think you need a little bit more of that and a little more of this and a little more of that, right? That's the Holy Spirit's job to bring sanctification. So he is a sanctifier. Now, there's only a couple of other scriptures. Okay, the Holy Spirit as the person, right, can be grieved, we can see this. So a dove would not be able to be grieved and it would not be able to be grieved, right? No, but the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And it grieves the Holy Spirit when we do not yield to him. Don't think you're just getting by with it. It is grieving to the person of the Holy Spirit that's at work in your life. When you choose to stay in sin, when you choose to disobey What the Word says and what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. When you disobey it, you're grieving Him. Say, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. I can grieve the Holy Spirit. See, people don't want to feel any type of shame or any type of... Well, let me tell you. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, it does not please Him. And you ought to feel shameful. Which is part of conviction. Okay? Okay? Ephesians 4 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, do not do it. And we know the other scripture that we know, it says that he who knows what to do and doesn't do it, it is what? Say it again. Say it louder. I want y'all to love that word. Say it again. So if we know he's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but yet we'll do it constantly when the Holy Spirit's trying to convict us about something in our life, it's sin. So whatever you're doing is sin, but then you're also say double trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. It's okay to say I'm in trouble. People don't like these words anymore. Oh, and you know what else? I was just minding my own business today. (laughs) Just trying to mind my own business today, praying in the Holy Ghost before this message, doing my two-mile walk in my preserve, minding my whole old little business, and all of a sudden, the the Holy Spirit just started talking to me about this new term, church hurt. Mm. I am so sick of this word. And I was talking to the Holy Ghost about it. And I said, Lord, I'm so sick of this word. Church hurt, church hurt, church hurt. We're just church hurt. Church. Church. And you know, pastor said, the church has never hurt you. Right. Amen. The church that he's building, Jesus Christ, has never hurt you. Amen. People can hurt yeah. you. Right. But really, you know what he said? It ain't even hurt. Right. Right. It's offense. We have called offenses church hurt. You're offended, you're bitter, you're critical, and you're calling it a pretty little label like church hurt. The church hurt me. No, you're offended. And you know there's an answer to offense. If the church has hurt you, if you are offended at somebody, you are to go to them in private. And talk to them about it. And continue to be church hurt. No. To get it right. And forgive. And get it under the blood. And move on in love. And move on in unity. And get your butt back in church. That's what the Holy Ghost told me. Blame him. But it's scriptural. We have labeled it offenses church hurt so you can stay in your offense and stay bitter and stay critical and stay your broken self Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a victim Mm -hmm. because it's a victim mentality But somebody that is mature could grow up and recognize, you know, there's just something there and I'm just going to go talk to that person about it and get it under the blood so we can go on in unity and love and brotherly love so that the world will truly know we're his disciples because we have love for the brethren. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. So why don't you tell the next person you hear say church hurt, tell them, no, what you are is just really offended. Yeah. And you know, you can get, you can get rid of that offense yeah. right. and how you can do it is just go to that person and talk right. to them. Right. Right. Amen. Yeah. Wow. That would be a miracle. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah. Now y'all all know I'm right. Yeah. Raise your hand if you know I'm right, because it's the Holy Ghost that's right. Yeah. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost can be grieved. Yeah. So let's not grieve the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can be jealous. James 4, 5 says, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Yeah. He can be jealous. That's right. He can also be blasphemed. The person of the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed, and we don't ever want to get in that place. Matthew 12, 31 through 32. Therefore, it's summertime, so we can stay till 930, right? Amen. Matthew 12, 31, 32. It says, therefore, I say to you, any sin, now recognize blasphemy has to do with sin. Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, people, but blasphemy against the what spirit shall not be forgiven against the spirit. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the one to come. And we don't want to be apart of any of that, that we would ever blaspheme the working of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, grieving the Holy Spirit in our lives, any of that, because it all leads to blasphemy. When you begin to start grieving that conviction and grieving the Holy Spirit, you start moving into pride. Pride moves you over into deception and deception can easily move you over into blasphemy. Right now, there's some things about blasphemy that can also be taught on. But I'm not here to teach on that. Now, the Holy Spirit can be denied. And this is where we're going to end tonight. The Holy Spirit can be denied. And we see it in churches all around the world. In 2 Timothy and talking about the last days. All of these things that we have been ministering on is a result of literally as pastors and knowing hundreds of pastors and knowing of hundreds of ministries around the world of what is happening to congregation members today. The apostasy, the pride, the doctrines of demons and the deceptions of men, right? And now it's all a result of what we're seeing in Second Timothy chapter three and verses two through five. It says, For men will be lovers of self. They love themselves so much they are becoming whatever they want to be. Amen. Amen. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, rivalers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. I'm telling you, that is the start of it all. Ungrateful. Being ungrateful for even the blood or for what Jesus has done for you. You're not even thankful for the life he's given you. Wow. Or the godly husband that you have. Or the godly wife that you have. That you're so prideful and arrogant and boastful that you would go somewhere else or do something else. You're ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding. These are believers he's talking about here. This is not the world. This is not sinners. This is not the lost. These are believers. Look what he says. Holding to a form of godliness. But what? Although they have denied its power. That is the Holy Ghost. The power. Dunamis working power. They deny the Holy Spirit from actually, the translation says, transforming their life. They deny the power of transformation. They refuse to allow the word to transform them. They refuse to allow the word, the Holy Ghost, to take care of their flesh and to crucify their flesh and to be convicted. All of these things are a result of you denying the working of the Holy Spirit and the power of God that can actually transform your life into what he's called you to be. Pure, holy. Amen. So we don't want to be a person that holds on, yeah, to a form of godliness when we know. That's right. We're denying the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. The power of God to deal with whatever it is that's going on in our life. The same thing that's going on year after year after year after year after year. You are refusing the Holy Spirit, the power of God to actually transform and work in that situation to get rid of it once and for all. We got to ask ourselves this is why we say, Is my life look the same as it did year after year after year? Or has, because let me tell you, the working of the Holy Spirit has already tried to convict you. Has already through his word and even probably the preacher of this house say something that the Holy Ghost is trying to get you to overcome and get out of your life and you deny the Holy Ghost to really get in there and work it out once and for all. Letting the master Do whatever he wants to the clay. Squishing it down (laughs) to a flat pancake and building it back up again. To a vessel that he wants to create. But pride keeps us. Form of godliness, religion. No, we got it. We got it. We're good. No, this really didn't happen. No, I really didn't have Yes, you did. (laughs) It's denial of reality. And the Holy Ghost is on the inside at all times trying to get you, trying to get you to yield, trying to get you to just respond, just do it. Just go in that direction, and the Holy Ghost will be right there as your helper to get you on the other side. Hallelujah. But you got to let him in. Hallelujah. Really in. Really, really in. So, we don't want to be a part of these people that deny the power of God to work the Holy Spirit working and ministering in our lives. We don't want to be a part of it. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to say this, and then we're closing. The beginning of the year in morning prayer, the Holy Ghost reminded me about this last week. That at the beginning of the year in morning prayer, you know, y'all really should be in morning prayer at 930. During church instead of out here sipping your coffee because half your problems that are going on in your life is because you're out in that lobby sipping coffee instead of in here and letting the Holy Ghost talk to you. So the Holy Ghost said through prayer as we were all praying corporately that this year through auction of the Holy Ghost that this year was going to be a pivotal year in people's lives. That this was a prophetic year. Do some of y'all remember? I think I even said it in church. That this was going to be a pivotal year. This was going to be a prophetic year for your life. Or a pathetic. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And that this year was going to set the trajectory. Use that word. Trajectory. Trajectory. Of your future, Amen. and it will be according to you, will be shot and launched forth into a place of fullness of the spirit and walking Amen. in wholeness and what God has actually done for you and wants to do for you and be able to overcome some things in your life, or it's gonna take you in the direction into the flesh and you are gonna be off course. And I want to heed and warn those again in this house. I'm seeing it happen. And it doesn't have to happen to you if you'll just yield to the power of God and the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And choose to say, I'm going to deal with this once and for all. I refuse to go around this mountain again in my life. Refuse it. But I'm telling you, this is going to be the year that will determine some life changes in people's lives. And it's either going to go one way or the other. It's not going to be any other. There won't be a coasting any longer. There won't be a, a, you know, the Holy Ghost is okay any longer. No, he's saying the time is now, it's your time, it is up, and it is the trajectory of your future one way or the other. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to tell you, you already know who you are, and the Holy Ghost has been dealing with you for years about this same thing, and you refuse, and you stay in pride And I'm going to tell you, if you continue in it, it will not take you down a great road. It will not because you know too much. There's some of you that know too much. And it won't be nice. It can never be nice when you grieve and disobey the Holy Ghost and his working in your life. It will never end up well. It won't. So. Let's heed what the Holy Ghost said in prayer to this whole church body. Even though you weren't here, you're responsible for it. it Because it came through this house by unction of the Holy Ghost to help save, convict some people from going down a wrong road. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment, or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.